This is Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio, a show that features promising health innovation essential for a sustainable and equitable healthcare delivery and financing system. Hosted by digital health advocate, author, and global thought leader Gil Bash, the show looks at the thought provoking ideas, people, and companies that are making a difference. I'm Greg Masters, executive producer and co-host of the show, and join Gil as we engage top industry talent who share their insights and best practices to enable the transformation. On today's show, our guest is Rasu Shrestha, MD, MBA, Enterprise Executive Vice President and Chief Strategy and Transformation Officer for Atrium Health, one of the largest nonprofit and leading academic health systems in the U.S., Previously, Dr. Shrestha served as Chief Innovation Officer for the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Dr. Shrestha also served as Executive Vice President of UPMC Enterprises. And with that introduction, Gil, over to you. Greg, thank you so very much for the gracious introduction. Um, I'm really fortunate to have Razu Shrestha with us today, Dr. Shrestha from um, Atrium one of the nation's largest health systems. He and I have been following each other on Twitter and LinkedIn forever. And I, I, I think we've, we've been each other's mutual fan club. Uh, I'll also say, uh, Greg, that um, the, the miracles of social media aggregation, uh, Razu and I are also the top among the top 10 health influencers at the meeting, which is a great meeting. We're following it very closely by way of Twitter. And um, we're thrilled that people are including us in their tweets. I, I think it's, it's not that we're there. We're not. We're with each other right now. I think it's because the community is, is very, very united. And even though we're not physically there, it's a privilege that we're emotionally there. Uh, Razu is doing amazing things. He has an amazing background. He's a physician. He's a radiologist. He's very active in that profession. As a matter of fact, he's on the board of Hims, and um, and uh, I'm thrilled about that. I think Hims is a is a is a very critical professional um, association that is sparking professional development and conversation around the use of health technologies and health information around the world to improve patient care. He is the executive vice president. He's the chief strategy and transformation officer at Atrium. Uh, he's more than that, though. I think that Razu is also a voice for change and transformation of the U.S. health system. He has great perspective. He has great passion and compassion for health equity and representing people from all different backgrounds. And just before the show, we were talking a little bit about what it is to be part of a massive not-for-profit health system. You've been part of for-profit health systems I don't think people give it enough thought about what's the difference? Why is it important? Can a not-for-profit health system survive in an entrepreneurial, you know, for-profit world? I'd love to get your take on that. Well, thank you, Gil. I really appreciate you having me on today and um, completely uh, mirror back, right back at you, Gil, in terms of all of the compliments and accolades that you've thrown my way, uh, you know the mutual uh, mutual admiration society here is uh, is up Thank and right, <laughs> and it is right. Uh, and you're right. You know whether it is the conversations that are happening at health, um, and I you know I, I miss being there in person this year primarily because we're actually in the midst of a pretty massive merger, and um, 
you'll hear about this in, in short order, but we're um, you know, working feverishly to come together with Advocate Aurora. Uh, so Atrium Health, you know, pretty large health system, one of the largest not-for-profit health systems, uh, headquartered out of Charlotte um, here in, uh, in the Southeast part of the United States. And then Advocate Aurora, uh, another large not-for-profit health system that um, you know, uh, geographically located more in the Midwest and we're in the midst of coming together. And so hopefully the FTC will give us the green light in short order, but as you can imagine from a strategy, partnership, innovation perspective, there's a lot of things in motion behind the scenes. So I unfortunately could not be at health, but, um, but, but we are creating the future of health as we speak. Absolutely, and, absolutely. Know, and you know, I'm thrilled you know, the, the thought of this sort of critical mass scale of two mammoth not-for-profit um, health systems uniting with, um, and actually also uniting geographic scope, Southeast, Midwest. Um, a lot of, there's a lot of questions about not-for-profit as opposed to for-profit. And the research shows that not-for-profit health systems have happier health professionals, happier patients, and, and actually, or healthier patients even, and, and actually are showing impact on uh, cost of care. Is, is that accurate? Um, it, it, can you tell us? So I, th I think it's, um, it's a little, if, I, if I'm honest with you, rash to generalize it uh, at the level that people are talking about as, as you reflected. Uh, I do believe, however, that there is a way to get the model right, right? Um, Not-for-profit um, is, is not a, a financial goal uh, it is really a tax status that then has to be reflected by what you do to live up to that tax status that you are bestowed with. And it is, it is something not to be taken lightly, right? Um, the not-for-profit status uh, is tied specifically, at least at Atrium Health, to our mission. Our mission at Atrium Health is to improve health, elevate hope, and advance healing for all, right? So health, hope, and healing for all. And when you think about the for all part of the mission statement, I think you know that in many ways is what really tugged at my heartstrings when I made the at that point a pretty difficult decision to move from you know what was a, a dream job at UPMC. I was at UPMC for 12 years and then I decided to move to Atrium Health. And I've been here now for about four years. And when I even contrast the two not-for-profit health systems at UPMC and now at Atrium, and I look at other large not-for-profit health systems across the country as well. I think what differentiates the not-for-profit health systems or health systems that are doing this right uh, is really that stickiness to that mission. Not, not just you know, in kind of um, how the mission statement is plastered on a, on a marble plaque someplace or, or on, your, on your strategy statement someplace, but in how that is translated to the specifics of your strategic priorities as well as the operating model of how you continue to push uh, health and care forward. So I, I believe that there is a model um, that uh, you know, few are getting right, but at the same time, the secret to that model really is sticking to that mission, not just in the talk, but really in the action and the impact that you create. I love what you've just said, because the, the sense of, um, you know, they say, uh, money follows mission, and the clarity of mission really drives the business model. Uh, you know, I know that you have unique voice. You're a clinician, you're, you, you're a physician, you're a radiologist, you also have an MBA, 
you're, you're also really a pioneer in the use of, of health technology and social media to get your messages across. And I've, I've always wondered, looking at the power of your voice, not just within Atrium, but within the national health system, do, do you find that these different hats that you wear, physician, business leader, uh, policy um, uh, leader, and also someone who is confident in expressing uh, clear, bold ideas publicly, does that give you extra voice within the system? I'd like to think that it does, um, not, not because of all of those, whether it's titles or roles or experiences that I've had, but- All of it, really, all of it. <laughs> right? Really because, yeah, well, exactly. Uh, really because of the perspective that um, the school of hard knocks that I've lived through as a clinician, you know, as, as someone who's uh, gone through training in informatics and business, but also in the last, you know, when I reflect back in the 25 plus years that I've been doing this, the school of hard knocks, as we, as we call it, right? And, and we, we talk a lot about, you know, transformation in healthcare. And I, I truly believe that transformation isn't a future event. It's a present day activity, right? And we, we, we like to, you know, to say, all right, you know, it, it, is, it is this future that we're building and what are the moonshots and how do we make sure that, look, I, I think it's really important for us to understand the um, what I call the urgency of the now, right? I, I think that's so critical, and especially having lived through the pandemic. You know, I really believe the pandemic has been our biggest wake-up call. But the problem in healthcare is that we continue to hit the uh, the snooze button, right? So the wake-up call has been the pandemic, but we continue to hit the snooze button, and and that's dangerous, right? Because um, you know, in healthcare, I think our biggest challenge, to be quite honest, is complacency. Complacency is our worst enemy. It's this let me let me explore that. Let me explore that with you just a little bit because I, I've always felt in in health, culture crushes change, and you know the and I think that the culture of medicine is is based upon the the economics of the system that the the patient really isn't the center of the system. The system or preservation of the system is the center of the system. And, and you're a, a voice for getting people to look at that. You know, you, you, a transformation in your title is very appropriate. You're, you're, you're not disruptive. You're, you're pro-health. You're pro-people. You're pro-health systems. But, but you also understand that to survive or to pursue their mission of healing, there's, there's going to need to be change. And I, I was wondering if you could share with us, because you, you tweeted this out, I separately tweeted something similar, which is, you know, moving one piece of the puzzle, one little element of change is not a change to the system. You know, we, we, we need to figure out how we get the system to sort of unite to sort of like change itself. What, what's, if you had a magic wand, what sort of things would you start to say, I, I want to change these things because I think these things have a trickle-down effect that will benefit us all. Yeah, uh, it's a great question. And, you know, when you think about complacency, and I was talking about how complacency really is your worst enemy, you know, there's this lure of comfort, right? This status quo is how we're, we've always done. And especially when you're growing and you're successful and you're large, uh, you want to do more of what's working. Yeah. But, but I, you know, I, I've always believed that it is at that time that you need to invest more in really rethinking and reframing 
where things are and and healthcare is hard you know it's deeply personal it's highly complex the economics often don't make sense and you know most of the interactions that we have in healthcare today uh, is when you're at your most vulnerable self so i'd say if there's one thing gil uh, to answer your question more specifically it, it's it's the challenge of broadening our aperture you know as a clinician i talk a lot about patient centered care and you know you know patients included in conferences and and in dialogues and in boardrooms and decisions that we make but i think we need to broaden that aperture the patient still remains in the center but we broaden that aperture from patient-centered care to person-centered care. And I think it's when you broaden that aperture that you really start to realize that um, you know, what we're doing in healthcare right now is, um, is more of the same, but if we're able to focus in on that person as a whole, it moves the dialogue as well as the economics from sick care to yes, preventative care, yes, well care, but really more so living your best life possible, right? So it, it changes the dialogue from surviving to thriving. And I think that's where, that's where we really need to be focusing in on as, as, a, as an aligned health system across the board. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio. Our guest is Rasu Shrestha, MD, MBA, Enterprise Executive Vice President and Chief Strategy and Transformation Officer for Atrium Health, one of the largest nonprofit and leading academic health systems in the U.S. You know, I love what you've just said, uh, something I believe in deeply that you know, we basically have a sick care system. The system thrives economically or even in terms of our mobilization. The, the sicker you are, the more we mobilize to engage. And you know, part of it is uh, psychological. You know, people, you know, people coming in for their mammograms on schedule, colonoscopies on schedule, pap smears on schedule, um, you know, even stress tests, all of this preventive care that would help us pinpoint illness at the far earlier stages when we have personally a lot more options to to address and you know i was wondering since you're you're part of really a, a mammoth system mobilizing potentially if ftc blesses um with another system to become a bigger system do you have strategies in place for the lives that you um you seek to impact influence do you have strategies in place to entice, invite, drag in uh, people to think of themselves as precious and therefore to um, intervene, prevent illness? Is there a path that you would recommend that health systems pursue? No, absolutely, Gil. Uh, it's a great question. And I, you know, immediately think of two things. One is um, the fact that, you know, health is quickly moving to the home, home is well the, where the health is, is what I what I like to say, right? And you know, and and that is a, a business model that moves away from the traditional bricks and mortar facilities to the home. Up to two hundred sixty five billion dollars worth of care services could shift to the home by just twenty twenty five. And you think about all of the successes that we've seen, even in the last three years of living through the pandemic in programs like Hospital at Home and. You know, Atrium has been leading that charge. Our hospital at home program is the largest in the country right now and the most successful. And we're pivoting very quickly and saying, all right, what does that then mean to feed into what I call the connected care everywhere strategy? 
right? Where we're saying, all right, you know, it is not just about digital health and you and I tweet a lot about this and talk a lot about digital health, but it really is about digital in health. How do we meet our patients and our consumers and our communities where they choose to meet us, addressing all of the specific elements of uh, the gaps that exist between the haves and the have nots. And I think that's one critical element of, of what you just talked about. And then when we think about how health happens in the home, I think it's also important for us to think about what matters most in not just you know, social determinants of healthcare. I think that that's important, obviously, but what I call drivers of health, right? This health and happiness, this living independently, this healthy aging, this financial management, you know, there are all of these different elements of behavior change and nudges that need to be taken into account as we look at all these petabytes worth of data, the digital exhaust that exists out there, but also the specifics of those gaps that exist between the haves and the have-nots. So it, it, it's a lot of different things that come into the specific elements of what, what I call the connect care everywhere strategy. And I think uh, that's really critical. Boy, that's so that. important. You know, the, you used a, um, a term that I, I hope, I hope that you get a, a sort of a, a big stage to convey this. You, you, you talked about people um, as opposed to patients. We're always people. We're always people. We're sometimes patients, but but the system doesn't necessarily look at people as as customers of health. They they look at it as um, think people or organic substances. We do stuff to you, you. You obviously have a unique mindset, and you're courageous enough to say it. Is that a viewpoint you think that your colleagues within Atrium are beginning to share? And, and, and how do you as a transformation officer um, and part of the C-suite team get your, your clinical colleagues, physicians, nurses, the entire you know, administrators to get to see people roaming the halls in, uh, in gowns that open from the back as, as people and as the primary customer of the, of the, of the system itself? So it's a great question, and, and the answer is yes, and that is what we're driving towards, right? So as we think about specifically going back to that mission, the why, um, it is the root of what we're doing, whether it's in system transformation, whether it's in the specifics of the strategies that we're pulling together, or in addressing some of the biggest challenges that we're seeing out there in workforce and burnout. It is us going back into our North Star, the why, the calling that compelled us to you know, uh, be a part of healthcare delivery in the first place altogether. And it, you know, again, squarely goes back to looking at uh, patients as people first. It is about the experience, not just about, in fact, not at all about the transactions. Healthcare in the last you know, several decades of us having rolled out health IT and EMRs and technology has been very transactional. Right, it's about ICD-10 codes and CPT codes, and about those transactions, and you know, did the patient check in? Did the patient show up? But why the patient missed his or her appointment—that's a data blind spot. You know, there could be a, a myriad of issues why that you know that caused why uh, the, uh, the you know for the patient to miss his or her appointment. Yet it's a data blind spot that we we're not really fully aware of at this point. So I think it's really important for us to look at. Uh, patients as persons and 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 through our you know engagement platforms and the connected care everywhere strategies we're really focusing in on 
in what I call the intersection of engage me, hear me, and know me, right? Engage me is really looking at, you know, front stage capabilities that engage and enable consumers and patients along their health and care journey. You know, hear me is about sensing and even about market research and capabilities uh, that enable us to know consumers within their context, within their geographies, within their socioeconomic status and the drivers of health as I was talking about earlier. And then know me is specifically more of the backstage capabilities that enable us to uh, proactively and effectively uh, understand that NF1 um, that is also part of, of, of a broader population of patients so that we're able to then really personalize the care that we provide to that NF1 in a, in a very contextually relevant manner. So these are, these are elements that I think are really critical as we look at what it all means. Um, you know, I'm smiling because you're, you're, you're obviously a very um, well-trained and skilled radiologist, and yet you, uh, you speak as a psychiatrist. Now, radiologists, are, I always have considered, because the Department of Radiology is usually in the basement of the hospital because they don't see patients, nor do they want to really see patients. <laughs> they want to look at reports. And yet you're up front there on the, almost like I sort of feel like you're the physician greeter of the health system. <laughs> How are you feeling today? How can I help you? There's a sensitivity to your thinking and voice that's that's uniquely you. And um, I, I know that Atrium is very powerful. I know that they're not doing a Razoo cloning program just yet. I wish the health system would. But I, I wanted to speak to you a little bit about something that I've always wondered, which is the, the challenge of getting consumers to realize that they've got the most amount of skin in the health game. You know, we, we can want to intervene. Um, we want to diagnose cancer at its earliest stages. We want to prevent heart disease. We want to reduce people's weight so that they're not at risk for type 2 diabetes. We want to make sure they have clean air so they don't have respiratory disease. We want to make sure that they're, um, they have a well-balanced life so that mental, mental health or mental illness does not confront them. Um, and, and that's what the system commits to do or desires to do. On the other hand, on the other side of the table, there's us as consumers and our desire to lean into this uh, boldly and understand that um, if, we're, if we're not well, it's not gonna get better because we, we avoided going to speak to the doctor. Um, you, you're very sensitive about these issues. You're sensitive about the economics of, of sickness. Um, do, you, do you have any recommendation for, for all of us who are passionate about public health, consumer health, what we might do better to invite consumers into the game of being healthier, longer, and embracing, as you said, a full, robust, healthy life dedicated to longevity. What, what could we do to fix that? Well, um, it, it's, it's a topic that we could go into for, for hours. Uh, at this the is end. a special program, a three-hour program. <laughs> there you go, Gil. But, but let, me, let me condense my thought into this, right? Um, at the end of the day, it is not just about adding years to life. It is about adding life to years. And if, if you just think about that and then think about this continuum that that patient who is a consumer, that is really a person, needs to be um, thinking through and how we as a health system, we could be a startup, we could be a, a large health tech 
company that's coming in to quote unquote disrupt healthcare, or you know, we could be um, anywhere in the intersection of public, private, and policy. I, I think it's important for us to think about that journey, right? And we do a lot of journey mapping exercises in, in the innovation world, but you think about advocacy right at the beginning. You think about awareness. Uh, you think about consideration and the choices that we make as human beings that matter most to us. Then you think about selection, because that's important. What we select, what we choose to do, choice is a really big part of the freedom that we enjoy, the freedom that we hold really dearly uh, here, here in the United States and beyond. And then, and then, and then it's about care. Right, uh, and you think about that journey and, and the journey mapping exercise that this we, we did very rapidly. Care is one part of it, and it's a really important part of it. But oftentimes in healthcare, when we're thinking about the person overall, we don't think about the rest of everything else that I've mentioned. So it's really important for us to think through that journey mapping of, you know, what what are those nudges uh, that influence the behavior that then affect me. In, in my journey through life, right? So I think that's really critical. True. You know, in the few moments we have left, you're doing something very innovative at Atrium. You're in the post-pandemic era. You're about to um, open a brand new medical school. And um, we had a chance to chat about this. Y you and Atrium are doing some very cutting edge things. You know, uh, you talked a lot about technology and information and, and yet most physicians, nurses, when they graduate from medical school or, 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 or nursing school, they have very little training on these technologies. Um, you're, you and Atrium are committed to making sure that, that physicians who get that white coat, same with nurses, um, they, have a, they have a really strong grounding in how to deploy technology to improve care. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate it. I, I really believe that, um, you know, in the post-pandemic era, as we think about how do we reimagine a bolder, better future for all of us, it is about creating and fostering the right ecosystems. You know, we are architects of ecosystems. That's our new job description. And, uh, and that's what we're doing is we're building um, a, a new innovation district, a first of its kind innovation district on this side of the pandemic. And in the middle of that innovation district, um, we're building a new medical school, Charlotte's first four-year medical school, but also, you know, I, I would challenge and say that this will be the most innovative medical school in the country. And it's quite an opportunity on this side of the pandemic to reimagine uh, what we need to be building as we, you know, stand up this innovation district and how that medical school needs to clearly differentiate the future of what we call health, learning, and community. And that's our that's our new vision statement at Atrium Health that we went live with is, you know, lead the charge in health learning and community combined. Awesome. Awesome. Razu, it's a privilege to have you on Health Unabashed. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And that is a wrap for today's broadcast. We do want to thank our listeners for tuning in and our special guest, Dr. Rasu Shrestha, Enterprise Executive Vice President and Chief Strategy and Transformation Officer for Atrium Health. For more information or to follow Dr. Shrestha's work at Atrium, go to www.atriumhealth.org. And do follow him on Twitter via at Rasu Shrestha. 
or at Atrium Health. You can learn more about Health Unabashed on the program page at healthcarenowradio.com. We air weekdays at 10.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m., and 2.30 a.m. Eastern, or 7.30 a.m., 3.30 p.m., and 11.30 p.m. Pacific. Do keep the conversation going with Gil and me on Twitter by connecting with us via at Gil underscore Bash, and that's B-A-S-H-E, and Greg Masters, M-P-H, and that's Greg with two Gs. And do remember to tag your tweets with hashtag HealthUnabashed. Until next time, stay unapologetically passionate about improving health. 